like to welcome you out to another episode of the Lodestone Training and Consulting Podcast. I'm Jared Ross, and with me today is... Abby. And also joining me today is my sister... M. M. <laughs> Glad you're here. It should be a, it should be a fun time. I, um, I just got back uh, about... What time did I pull in? About 4 a.m.? 4 a.m. this morning. That's I, what you said anyway. I didn't look at the clock. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've just been... Um, I did a 10-man... 10-day uh, man tracking course, and that was that was phenomenal. I learned a, a ton of stuff. It's kind of like reading Kyle Lamb's uh, Green Eyes Black Black Rifles. Uh, when I first read that, there was some stupid, simple stuff in there that I should have known as a private in the 82nd Airborne. And same thing with this tracking course. There are some things in here that I wish I would have known when I was a private in the 82nd. Uh, it was a really great class, but I'm, I'm kind of smoked right now, but we're going to knock this podcast out. It's uh, Pretty cool that I got my sister in here that we can we can talk and she can tell a little bit about her story and share some of her experiences with training, with carrying concealed, with being a woman, with being a mother, uh, and all sorts of stuff. So tell Thank us about you. yourself. Um, like you said, I am your sister, which that comes with all kinds of <laughs> baggage, baggage and emotional. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, so I'll start from, I guess. Being a kid, being your sister, it was very interesting. I think a lot of uh, my intro to guns and shooting would have to be mainly from you. I mean, I know Dad did some shooting with you, but for me, it mainly came from you. Yeah. Um, How many years older than you? Do we need to say? No. (laughs) You are... Four? Four? Four or five. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um... But no, growing up, we used to do all kinds of fun stuff outside, playing in the cornfields. Uh-huh. Good guy, bad guy, high, you know, having some fun doing that and going for a lot of hikes, yeah. road, road marches. I remember doing <laughs> road marches. Mm-hmm. And then as we got older, we, you know, I, I think I've always been very liberty, freedom-minded. I think that has to come with growing up in our family, but also just who I am. And so... Being self-reliant, self-sufficient has always just been part of me. It's always been something kind of innate or so I've always leaned towards that. So whenever you would be like, hey, do you want to do this? Go learn how to do this skill or go learn how to do that. I, of course, yeah, I want to. So as teenagers, we would go learn stuff, some fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who did EMT first? Was that you or was that me? That was me. I think so. Uh, I have actually taken two EMT courses. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, the EMT training, I did that, um, as well as, like I said, other training with you out in the woods, learning different skills. Well, and and a, lot, a lot of that, too, at that time and, and at our ages, that was us. We didn't have a clue. There wasn't YouTube. There wasn't no. the internets. Yeah. We might that was manuals. We yeah. would find manuals. At, like gun shows and other places. Gun shows was a huge part of our growing up. Yeah. I We went to gun shows all the time and met some interesting people, good and bad. <laughs> and, uh-huh. Yeah. So anything we could do to kind of build on skill sets and learn how to... Be self-sufficient. That's really what it was for me. And just freedom. Anything that promoted being free. Yeah. Anything that promoted the gifts that we've been given, you know, with our constitution and with being in this country, I that's what I wanted to do. It's not like I was a big gun, you know, like, oh, guns, 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 shoot. It was more freedom. This is my right. I'm going to honor this, and I want to know how to do it. Yeah. That was what it was for me. So, obviously, your childhood was perfect, and Jared was the perfect older brother Right? No, uh, no, no, no. No, he was an awesome brother, but yeah, we've had some situations. Like, I'm, I'm sure. Like what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, well, I think the first memory uh, that I have is when I was a young girl, I loved strawberry shortcake. <laughs> loved her. And all I really had was these, these little figures of her, but I got this doll. It was a, like a normal size baby doll, and she smelled like strawberries. She was like my favorite thing. And one day I went outside because we had this garden. I remember walking out to go to the garden and in the grass was my strawberry shortcake doll with a bullet in her head. Well, a hole in her head. There was no bullet. It went through her head. 
And yeah, who who could have done that? I don't know. Hmm. 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 Uh, maybe it was someone me. trying to show off to a friend, possibly. Maybe. So let's hear the other side of that story. I have no recollection of that. Yeah. And and Gweed and Gweed, who are listening to this right now, they have no recollection of that either. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. sure. It traumatized me. And actually... It still smelled like strawberries, though, didn't it? It did. I actually... I was contemplating keeping it because I loved it so much. But then I ended up getting rid of it. But uh, mom, a couple years ago, found me the same doll. Oh, yeah? And got it. Yeah, she got me a replacement. But it's too little too late. You traumatized me already. There's a special place in hell for... Mm -hmm. For For older brothers. For big brothers who, yeah, shoot their little sisters. Maybe that's why all these years you tried to make up for it by being (laughs) nice. But anyway. Yeah, that was pretty bad. There's some other ones, but we'll we'll keep it to that one. What was your, uh, what was the first firearm you, you, you purchased? Uh, Bushmaster AR-15. That, when was that? That must have been like mid to late 90s, oh, right? Probably. So yeah. was that like when you turned 18 you bought it or Assume, you were younger? Anytime I hit the right age to, to be able to purchase a firearm, whether it was for concealed carry or just in general, I bought it. So yeah, the AR-15 was the first. Yeah, that Bushmaster. Uh-huh. At the time, that, that was the heat. Yeah. <laughs> and I I mean, that was fun when, when flames shot out the end of that sometimes uh-huh. well <laughs> because that was during the middle of the assault weapons ban so mm-hmm. it didn't have a flash hider on the thing it was probably just just nothing mm-hmm. yeah yeah but i had some good times with that rifle and then my first handgun i bought was an h and k usp 45 it was a compact 45 <laughs> I, I remember that one which was not good well that's but you live you learn yeah you chalked it up to both of us to to our inexperience mm-hmm. and our ignorance because uh, I purchased a full-size USP 45, mm-hmm. and the HKs are, are a nice gun. Yeah, it's just that the barrel is so high compared to uh, to where you, you grip it to the handle, so it just naturally kicks more than some of the other firearms. Um, and with yours being a 45 and yours being a compact, mm-hmm. well, it might have looked a little bit cuter than mine, but it certainly it kicked. kicked a lot more. Yeah, yeah. And that that's mainly because, you know, and I think a lot of women have this issue is there's. The choice between what kind of gun, what kind of holster, all that, it's very different for each woman. And so with the gun, when you don't have the opportunity to practice or to shoot multiple firearms, it really is a guessing game. Yeah. You just kind of, and that's kind of what that was. That was just inexperience. I didn't, we didn't know. So what are some of the other stuff that, that you did as a youth that, you know, really had an impact? Um, I attended uh, these camps for just girls that went over all kinds of different training. I mean, it was great. It was fun. Through church? Through church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we had to learn um, first aid, how to start a fire, all the meals. This was about a week-long camp, and we did them every year. So we had to build the fires. We had to cook all the food over the campfires. I think at some point we did have, like, little burner stoves. Yeah. Um, but then we also learned things like, Different survival skills, using a compass, um, you know, I'm trying to think of what else we learned. I remember doing, like, you know, not in the same area, but the same kinds of camps, doing, like, plant identification and learning about poison ivy right. and different things and like that. And then we would do hikes. We would yeah. always have, depending on your age group, you would do shorter or longer hikes. But it was just a good experience to be out in the woods and to, again learn survival, self-sufficiency, learn skills. So that had a big impact then on you and, and for your re- rest of your life. Yeah. All those things. Yeah. Definitely. So, definitely. So a couple of years later, your your big brother, he decides to, to go off the war. Mm-hmm. So because you like me so much, what did you what did you end up doing? <laughs> well, that's not quite how it went. Oh, but, really? <laughs> but yeah, I, I joined the military not long after 9-11. Yeah. And so. why'd you do that? Um, honestly, it... It was the right thing to do for me. It felt like the right thing. I prayed about it, and I just, it's what I needed to do. So what got you thinking about it to begin with? Do you think that there was stuff, like, in your childhood that, that like, pushed you to do that? Or something, like, internal, your mindset? Or? No, I don't really think it's anything from my childhood that pushed me to do it. I think it was just um, the timing, my age. Um I mean, I guess in a way, all those smaller things I did built up to, you know, part of the reason I joined was the skills. If yeah. I, I thought, okay, these are skills I can learn. They'll 
whether I stay in the military and retire in the military or whether this is just a three or four year thing, the skills will be with me forever. So what was your and MOS then, when you were in the military? Uh, 91 whiskey medic. Okay. Combat I was going to say you might need to translate yeah. that. <laughs> Combat medic. So I joined the military, not because of Jerry. Oh. oh. <laughs> Although you were a good influence. And it was good and bad. I think for me, and I don't know how this is for the guys, but it's a love-hate relationship. You love the military, but there's things that you hate about it. Oh, it's yeah. just definitely love-hate. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it was for me. At, for, for fifth group, for the fifth legion, I have never loved something so passionately and hated it so much mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. That's, that's my experience. Yep. Yeah. So I... So where'd you, you were a medic, so did you go to mm-hmm. uh, Fort Sam Houston? Yep. What was that like? Um, it's interesting because the training was good, but there were so many aspects about it that to me were a little boring because of all the stuff I did in my childhood, I was thinking, I, I've been here, done this. Like, I, what do, what like even basic training for give, me wasn't Give that. me an example. So, like, you know, the road march type stuff or, like, the just the basic military skills, even the shooting, the basics of shooting. It was like, okay. Oh, I've done or, this or before. We, huh? Especially as, as we went on. And I did my actual medic training, and then, like, I would, throughout my military, I don't want to say career, but my time in the military, we would do these, that were, these training exercises that were supposed to be stressful. Like, when I would train with the guys, which I'll get into later, where they would shoot dummy rounds, or they would try and stress you out, and I'm like, like, I would laugh, because it didn't scare, (laughs) like, I mean, they'd be stressed, but I'm like, well. This isn't so like okay. It's a, or like during basic training when they would pretend like they're or they'd shoot over your head. Uh-huh. And you're do, I'm like okay, but it really stressed a lot of people out. And I just, I mean, I don't know. I guess the different parts stressed me out than other people. I don't know. But um, yeah, so I went to I did my AIT in Fort Sam Houston, which it was good training. I, I I mean it was intense. You had a lot crammed into a very small amount of time, and there was no leeway for boom. Yeah. There was no leeway for mistakes. So, and then I went to Korea was my first, that was um, your first duty station, duty station yeah. which was it was good. I got, the first day I got there, I actually my I went straight out to the field I dropped my stuff off in someone's room I didn't have a room and I got geared up and went out in the field the first day I was there <laughs> but how long were you out there in the field uh, just one day or is it like a multi-day no it was, they had two days left okay. I was out there for two days and then I came back and then I figured out where I was going to live so what were some of the things you're able to do in Korea because you've shared some of this stuff with me before and you got a for your time and your gender uh, mm-hmm. f- for being there, you got a very unique uh, experience where a lot of people didn't get the same experience as you did. Yeah, I, so I was in an ambulance platoon. So what we did was we would train, but we also provided real help to other um, infantry units that were training. There were tanker units, so we would provide assistance when they were doing their training so, so when, we'd always have an ambulance we'd sleep in our ambulance so if someone really got hurt so, so we, they, when they were on the range or they were doing their maneuvers you were there in case of a real world situation yes, yeah yes and i loved that because you know we would do our own little training as a unit but the real training was when we were able to go out with them that was the fun stuff and so i you know when i started realizing that then I started asking, you know, hey, what, like I tried to see what all I could do, how I could participate. And also the difference would be their little medical units. They had their PAs. Mm-hmm. OK. And what I would find, which is really weird, because you would think since I'm in a medical platoon, we would get a lot more extensive training. But no, it was in these little groups with these PAs where they would let you suture. They would let you do things and they would be training you ways that. I wasn't getting otherwise, so that was really good. But it got to the point where, I don't want to make fun of the other females, but a big problem with our unit is that the females like to flirt. They went there, and they wanted to flirt with the other guys, (laughs) and I just wanted to train. So it got to the point where they would actually ask for me. They would, you know, hey, can she come 
to this. And so it would be a sergeant and then it would be me so that we could go and I would participate in all kinds of training. Winter, tra- I mean, it was, it was awesome. I really enjoyed that. A little bit more specific, if you don't mind. What, what kind of training? What was some of the stuff so, you got to do? One of my favorites was um, I got to actually run a course that was set up for this um, medical infantry platoon where they had this whole course set up in the woods that we had just, we didn't know what to expect. They just had all these things set up and then they timed us. So we had to start and they timed us and it was like three or four sergeants running next to us and we had to run in the woods and they had different scenarios. So they would have a casualty and then there's a scout platoon following with us and they were firefighting, okay, along uh-huh, with us. Uh-huh. So they were kind of doing their own thing, but they were with us, if that makes sense. Yeah. They were being critiqued off what they were doing. So we're running and then we would have to treat someone. And at one point we had to carry, they had these dummies, we had to carry one of them. Uh-huh. So they were kind of giving us orders as we were going. We had no idea what we were going to have to do till we did it. So I ran through this course and then um, at one point, this is one I was mentioning when they would shoot, uh-huh. like it was supposed to scare, like, so they started shooting right by my face. Like when I'm trying to give treatment, give IVs, they started shooting. And I, I was like looking at, I looked up at once and then I kept doing what I, you know, doing my job, what I was supposed to do. And I could hear them laughing. They're like, she's not even scared. She's not even flinching. <laughs> so like, I was like, yeah. So I remember running that course and I actually got first place. Yeah. Out of all the guys. Yeah. So that was, it was very motivating. I mean, it wasn't, I don't know, my whole experience, even like when we were young, I was always the only girl. So mm-hmm. it was never, I never felt like, oh, I'm the only girl or like, I don't know. I never really ran into the problems that I think some girls have with the whole flirting thing because I just wanted to train. That was the whole point to me. So, and I had some good experiences. Another one was in the winter, and this was with another scout platoon. We, they had built these trenches or they were already there. And so we were, they, they needed help with some medical training, but the scout platoon was going through these trenches and then, and trying to evac someone that needed help. And so we would have these, um, what do they call them? They're the skeds, but they're the roll, the roll up ones, like the litters. Yes. Skidco. Yes. Thank you. So we would, I'd be carrying that. And then we'd come upon the casualty. We treat them, we'd get them all hooked up. And then we'd have to jump out of this. It's kind of hard to describe, but we would jump out of this trench and then we would pull them to safety wherever mm-hmm. we were told to go. But in the snow, that was so much fun because it was like, sl- I mean, like my hands got cold and I like ended up ripping my gloves off. And my, it was just, it was over and over and over again. But it was just, it was, that one was fun more than anything. It was some good training. Cool. Yeah. That's cool. You're, you're talking about that and sharing that. And all I can think of is, is my, my little teeny kid sister running around in, in the in the cornfields next to me with probably with a BB gun taped up with a fake magazine that looked like an AK or something. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Pew, pew. <laughs> that, that is really cool. And again, that was your attitude. Definitely. That, that definitely. allowed you the opportunity to get so much more training and a lot more respect and, and, and just get around a, a lot of other stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about Korea? Uh, not really. Okay. Oh, nothing else happened in Korea. Oh, I met my husband. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I met my was, husband. So there was maybe a little flirting going on. A just little, a touch. But not, yeah, not not when we were training, though. Okay. But, yeah, <laughs> I met my husband. Yeah, it's funny. I, I met him first. Yeah, you did. We yeah. found this out later. Yeah, a couple, a couple years after you were married when we were comparing notes and like, oh, we were in the same basic training uh, <laughs> yeah. company, different platoons, but mm-hmm. yeah, same company. That yeah, was... I think he has a video of uh, VHS uh-huh. with you on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me probably like snotting coming out of the, uh, the the gas chamber or something. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, the gas chamber wasn't bad for me. Yeah. Yeah, I got a little bit of a, I mean, I don't know. I did everything the way they wanted, but I just had a little bit of a runny nose. I was lucky. Didn't There was people coming out that were just, yeah. oh, it was bad. I could at least see them. They couldn't even see. I could see. I mean, I was, it was like hot peppers or something. I don't know. So, so after Korea, mm-hmm. uh, what did you do the rest of your time in the military? Uh, I worked at a troop medical clinic in Georgia, which seems like it might not be as exciting, but I think what I gained the most there was 
hands-on experience because there would there was three or four of us and then there were three PAs that worked in these clinics and we had obviously the sick soldiers coming in every day was same it from from Sand Hill from basic or from basic ranger trainees. school ba- well basic training okay. but then we would get some people um, we had some special forces people come in sometimes that were doing some kind of training there okay. that needed. So we would see different people, but mainly basic trainees. But that, I mean, I have given literally thousands of IVs. I've done like, I mean, so in other words, I gained a lot of skills there because it was a lot of treatment, hands-on treatment over and a day in, day out. And so I really built up a lot of good skill set there. Cool. Getting that training. And there's a lot of, you know, we had a, a small little ER. That was, it was, we called it the treatment room, but it was set up to be a mini ER. And so we, you know, there was a lot of allergic reactions, heat injuries, different things like that. So we actually got to kind of have that emergency room experience too, which was good. So then you got out of the military. Mm-hmm. When did you guys start having kids? About three years after I got out. Okay. Started having kids. So with that, so there's a huge... And I know you can, Abby can say the same thing. When you start having kids and you're used to carrying a, a gun, it's like everything you used to do kind of goes, whoo, you're like, how do I do this now? Because you can't, it's very difficult to. Well, just that whole experience of pregnancy, your whole body changes and yeah. you have to like readjust everything. And, yeah. And- Part of the difference for the, you guys who are listening, you, you probably know Abby by now. Well, I know a lot of you do. Um, so you know kind of her story where she grew up without firearms, not around firearms. It wasn't until after we were married and we started having kids. That's when she st- made the decision, started carrying. But but you, M, you've been carrying for... Yeah, Since had, I could. You have yeah. been carrying for years before you ever got yeah. pregnant. Mm-hmm. So then you used to carrying the way you like to carry. Now all of a sudden with, with the introduction of being pregnant or, right. or, or your little kids, it's a whole new world. Completely, completely. So I, I learned to start purse carrying, which was different. But then there's a whole dynamic that comes into that, which is, okay, how do I, you know, because with your purse, I mean, I'm always aware of where my purse is, but it's different when you know your weapon is in there. So yeah. it's now it's like, okay, I can't just set my purse down. Like, yeah, ha- anyway, you have to have this awareness of it. And then once you start having kids and then you have toddlers, and you're pregnant. It's like this whole, so it's like you're constantly changing and evolving how you do things, how, what's the safest way to do something. You're constantly thinking about it and trying to make sure that you're as safe, but also as protected as possible. So, so tell us, um, what were some of the specific differences? So you used to carry on your person? Yes. Okay. Yes. So how did you carry that way? And then how did you carry in your purse? So that's actually a good point. So before I started having kids, and I think this, I don't know, maybe other women can relate to this. You're a little worried about how you look, right? <laughs> so at that time. And that just goes out the window once you have kids, right? Right. When you, well, when, no, you, you still care, but safety and mama bear and your kids is more important than, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, it does change. But I used to carry in my back because for my body, that was the easiest way to conceal it and still wear clothes that were a little more whatever, like, I guess, form fitting. <laughs> so that's where I would carry. But then as I got older, I like to appendix carry uh-huh. because to me, that's a better option for me. Um, but then, you know, I'm sure I don't, when you appendix carry, depending on what kind of body shape you have, it can make you look bigger than you know you have to wear a little bigger clothes at least I do Mm -hmm. but then once I got pregnant of course I switched to a purse and then at that point you're like your body's doing crazy things you don't care (laughs) doesn't matter form-fitting clothes you're like I just want to be comfortable so you go through that so I carried in my purse for a long time because I you know I had kids pretty close together Mm -hmm. the first three anyway and then um after I was my last child, I realized, okay, I guess I can start carrying on my person again. And then it became, well, wow, this feels like you had to get used your to it all. Your body's totally different. Yeah. Your body's different. You, you're close. Like, yes, you, ha- you kind of have to figure out what's going to work for me. And then that's when I went into this. It's really tough for women. I had to try. I think I have bought and tried 
four or five different types of holsters, different t- trying to figure out what works with me, what's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, I'm pretty sure that's, I mean, maybe there's some women out there that are lucky that have found, hey, I bought this holster. It's what I like. It works. That's all. But in my. I don't know. I think it, it's, I think there's a lot of trial and error for a lot of people. Yeah. And I, I think that's very normal. My experience from women I've talked to, that's, it's constantly just trying to figure out what's going to work because it's a hit or miss. And most of the time it's a miss, unfortunately, figuring out what will work. So what works now? What and, and I know it's it is for everyone, myself included. Mm-hmm. It's always an evolving thing. Mm-hmm. But for right now, what is the pistol that you've you settled on that you're carrying, and how are are you carrying? So my main holster that I use is a Viper holster, Kydex Viper holster that I carry appendix. Um, other than that, I have an Alien Gear belt. So. The issue I think a lot of women have is depending on what we're wearing, we carry differently. Mm-hmm. So usually, typically, I can carry appendix style. If I'm wearing a skirt, dress, anything like that, I like to have the belt because you don't <clears throat> excuse me, you don't have to worry about wearing a belt. So that one seems to work really good for me. So when you're like not having to depend on your clothing to hold your gun up. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I even find it comfortable like when I'm wearing jeans and a belt, I kind of like wearing it anyway. It just depends on what I'm wearing. Yeah. So see how it prints with what I'm wearing. So are you still running the HK USP compact? No, I'm the Smith & Wesson Shield 9mm. Okay, okay. Yeah. That seems to be a pretty common one, uh, yeah. at least in our circle. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy it. Um, as far as other gear... I do have a holster that I have that works pretty well in my purses. If I um, decide to carry in my purse, I have another holster that fits pretty good in there. But that usually, I usually don't do that too often anymore. Um, as far as other gear, I always have a knife. Do you carry I, a spare mag? I do. I always have a spare mag. Um, it's usually in my purse. Okay. I don't usually carry it on me simply because it ends up being too... If I carry too much on me, it gets too bulky. I'm either uncomfortable and I don't I don't want to be uncomfortable or it's you can see it. Gotcha. It's not going to work for me. But yeah, I usually have a spare one. Um, I always have an IFAC in my van and I also have like a, math, or a mask rebreather in case I ever have to use that for someone that's always in my van. That is one thing that I can't tell you how much I have appreciated um, you. And that's with my medical training, with with being uh, a soccer medic and and all that stuff. It has been so nice to be able to bounce ideas off of you, bounce gear off of you. And and how many times have I've gotten some gear, shared it with you, or vice versa? Mm -hmm. That's one thing that we've really been able to complement each other. So I know that uh, if if I'm anywhere remotely close to you and, and, and... We've got a, a real-world emergency. You're there to to, yeah. to laugh at me and make fun of me and, you know, stitch me up or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah. yeah. So I always have the first aid in there. I always carry, I guess you would call it a bug-out bag, a go bag, whatever term mm-hmm. you want to use for it. I'm always comfortable having, so I always have a bag that if I got stuck somewhere with my kids, if I, you know, it has some food in there, it has... Um, water it has a little bit of money it has extra i always carry extra hoodie there's one over it's hot out and look what i have you see that (laughs) i always have it's just one of those things i'm just comfortable i like to have an extra hoodie i also notice and these are things i haven't really thought about now you're asking me and so now i'm like is that weird that i do that but like extra shoes so i tend to wear shoes that are pretty um good in an emergency mm-hmm. so like my sandals are pretty secure on my feet all that but if i find myself wearing any shoes that i'm not quite comfortable like if something happened i bring extra shoes did, and le- even if they're in my van i just leave them did, did elsie shade also talk to you after you came back from from your time in the military i mean i've talked with her yeah. multiple times i don't know if there's something oh specific. because after i came back from my first deployment so after afghanistan i would have uh Probably sometime mid to late uh, 2003, I came back on pass and, and came home and, and, of course, went to church. And then that's when uh, Elsie 
like I guess she realized I've been to combat. I I have seen things. Oh, I love that and, woman. And, and and so now she was like gonna let me in on on you know mm-hmm. now I could be in her circle of trust. So that's when like we're at church and then she like pulls me aside and uh, she's like, so my family we we had to run from the Nazis and we went to the the east and that was the wrong way because then we ran into the soviets uh-huh. so then so then we had to go to the west to to escape and she's very then the whole point of all this was jared never let your children be without shoes they Aww. always have to have shoes on because you never know when you'll need to run and you will want shoes on your feet. And she's tearing up. So I, I, I assume it wasn't her, but it's probably one of her, her loved ones, one, you know, a sister, brother, or someone. The Nazis were coming or the Soviets were coming and they had to flee and they didn't have shoes on and their feet got all tore up. Yeah. But she was you know, very, you know, now that I had seen something, you know, now I was in the club, she was opening up to me like that, like, you know. She, yeah. she never had before. I remember her talking about hiding in haystacks yeah. with a younger sibling, like multiple times, and anyway, some different things like that. Yeah. I just assumed with your how no. you wanted to do that. She was like, "Oh, that's, but you that's know, it Elsie. could also be." I that's one thing that I've from a young age is read history books, mm-hmm. read biographies, history, read about different wars, things like that. So maybe that's something that I picked up from reading other stories probably very similar mm-hmm. to that and i just i don't know i'm just not i need to have make sure i have shoes so you said you always have an ifac what, what kind of stuff do you have in your ifac is it something you um, pre-bought or knowing you 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 put it together yourself right so in the the one i have now i mean it's pretty standard it just has uh compresses it has uh tourniquets it has the chest seals it has i mean it basic life-saving things it's mm-hmm. not super big um I don't think it has IV, anything like that. See, I carry, this is my thing. I have my IFAC, but then I also have another first aid kit that's more family-oriented. So, Mm -hmm. like, if my kid gets bumps and bruises and things, I have one of those in there. But the IFAC is just pretty standard, like, let's keep someone alive till someone else can get here type of thing. Okay. So... You've had this period of time now where, you know, you've, you've been a mom for a while. Mm-hmm. Your husband has his, his job, his career. Um, what about yourself? What's some of the continuing training or what have you been, what have you done our you know, past few years? I've taken some of your classes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to the range. Um, I think, you know, I know we focus a lot on, the guns and that training and that's essential Mm -hmm. absolutely essential but there's other things um like gardening i'm really becoming more and more educated on gardening being self-sufficient in that way and i love i love gardening um that's some a skill you really it is a skill you have to kind of learn through experience depending on where you live it can be different so gardening is a big one preserving food having food storage especially with a family that's a huge part of my life now is, you know, it's not just about cooking dinners. It's about, okay, well, what can I add to my food storage? Make sure my kid, you know, we're all going to be okay if there's an emergency, if my husband loses his job, if anything happens, then we're prepared for that. So I think like, you know, just like I was when I was young, wanting to build on skills and be as self-reliant as I can, I think that's just kind of escalated in different ways as I've grown up and had a family I have more people to think about and just kind of expands you just keep I think that reading gaining knowledge I just I don't, just always learning I mean I'm a homeschool mom so learning is a huge part of Wait, our day-to-day life you say but that but I, I can't recall you jumping in on any of our uh, our book club meetings I know yeah <laughs> caught you uh, got caught uh, busted uh, <laughs> Uh huh. I, like I, I am my own book club. Nothing like the guilt from from your big <laughs> I'm brother. Like in the middle of four <laughs> books right now. Um, come on, you can add another one. Uh-huh. Got a lot going on. <laughs> um, no, I would just say I, I'm always trying to learn, and I think being well rounded is important. I think you can, you know, get really proficient at one specific skill and there's nothing wrong with that but I think you need to always try and 
learn new things outside your normal scope of learning. Mm -hmm. Or at least, you know, meet other people that do, that can teach you something. So. I hadn't had this thought for, for a while, but I was remembering how you and I were at one of the preparedness expos that they did in the late 90s. And we were talking to one of the uh, knuckleheads out of uh, Montana and how he was so proud because he had his SKS. I've got my SKS and I've got my bandolier with 200 rounds and we're going to take the country <laughs> back. I'm just thinking, how delusional are you? Oh, bless his heart. I mean, nice, <laughs> nice guy. His wife was a sweetheart. Mm -hmm. But just how delusional because they're so focused on we're going to take this country back. He didn't even, I mean, didn't even begin to think about uh, what do I need to do to be well-rounded? Mm -hmm. If there's a real mm -hmm. emergency, a real emergency like like you mentioned, what if my husband has, uh, you know, loses his job? Then, then what are we going to do? Right. It could be, I mean, it could be a million things. It yeah, could be, yeah. you know, you can think worst case scenario and that's good. I think everyone should think if worst case. If you think case. worst case scenario and plan that way so then when the real things arise, right. the little bumps, it's, it's so much easier. Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that's a good way to go about things. So if you don't mind, uh, share with us some of the things, um, I guess philosophy, but then also what are some of the specific things you've done to help educate and, and teach and raise your kids? Oh, my kids. Because, I mean, for, for, for us, Abby and I, as you know, mm -hmm. we're all about we need to teach this rising generation, mm -hmm. teach them those core principles, core values, and help them to, to be self-reliant. Plus... Mm -hmm give them a lot of experiences that, uh, that a lot of their peers aren't receiving? Um, well, the first thing you said was philosophy, and I think this goes along to parenting, but I think humility is a huge, huge one because if you're too prideful to go get the training because you think, oh, I only have this or I don't know that much, so it stops you from the learning, I think having humility and realizing you have to start somewhere with whatever it is you're trying to learn, whether it's shooting, whether it's another class, whether it's growing, you know, having a garden, learning more about food storage, learning about preparedness or whatever it can be. I think humility is key. You have to be humble. Just start where you are. And if you're around people that make you feel bad about it, you're around the wrong people. Find people that can accept you where you're at and help you get better. Mm -hmm. Um that's a that's a pretty big one. Um, as far as my kids, if Mama's happy, everybody's no. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I will say this: my husband just got me a shirt, which I should have worn it today. And on the back of it, it says, "Mommies, don't let your kids grow up to be commies." So that's a good one. Nice. <laughs> that's a nice Very philosophy. Nice. <laughs> I, I, I that could sum up a lot of things. Uh -huh. but, okay, but seriously, I think that's serious it I think is. it is because you can teach your kids to be selfish right and i mean that's what commies are right they want stuff they didn't work for so i think that's legitimate right and that's i i feel like we could you could do a whole podcast on communism so i figure that shirt sums it up mommies don't let your kids up grow up to be commies mm -hmm. that's huge that's so that is definitely a philosophy i have and so they're homeschooled um and I don't know. We just do the best we can to try and teach them right from wrong, to teach them to be resilient, to teach them to be kind. I mean, I don't think, I mean, I'm sure there's philosophies in there. I know we're religious, so we teach them about Jesus Christ and God, but as far as philosophies, they're in there, but I just, we just try and do the best we can to do the right thing mm -hmm. so and we try and keep them away from uncle jared oh yeah <laughs> no they're very blessed to have good cousins we keep them around their cousins when we can well i, I know that your children have uh been role players on yes one, one, once or twice Thank you. Okay. And, and that yeah. was uh the one time that was when we were training that that yeah that, that one team we had almost 20 role players out there mm -hmm. and that was good experience for everyone involved mm -hmm. that was really good what did your kids think of that it was really really good um i think my younger my youngest child was really really nervous because he wasn't quite sure what to expect uh -huh. out of the whole thing but i think overall it 
was went really well. They, the experience, um, I think, really helped them to have a perception of what they could go through mm-hmm. or what being in a, a traumatic situation might sound like mm-hmm. and feel like mm-hmm. and who they should look to and who they should stay away from. I think that that helped them. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that was a good time. And one of the things, you know, too, with with your children and with my children who, who were there, um, some of, you know, some of our kids now are, are, are getting up there, our, mm-hmm. our oldest are, are 18. And, uh, They're I still babies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't say how old yours is because I'll just tell everyone how old you are, yeah. old woman. But, um, hey, ours are older than her. Yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say, wait a minute. Mine are significantly younger than yours. That's but, okay. But Go even with, with the, the younger ones, the level of maturity that they exhibited during that very, I mean, mm-hmm. loud explosions, guns going off, people yelling, a lot of confusion, and just the, the level of their... Um, you know, maturity through that whole thing. That was, that was great. Mm-hmm. That was really great. I, I look forward to uh, being able to, to do that again, set that up and, and run that whole scenario and that, that training again in the future. That was, that was mm-hmm. really good. I think to go along with that, another huge, um, huge thing I think with our kids anyway, is just making sure the people they're around are good role models. Um, I know with your older kids, huge role models for my kids. It's, a gift to have them, you know, to have them watch them, observe them and learn from them. So that's huge. So I think as far as my parenting philosophy is, I really do believe, and it's hard right now. You feel like a loner a lot of times. Mm -hmm. You feel like you're an outcast, like where in the world do I fit in? And you almost, I think as a parent, sometimes you can, at least for me, I feel bad. Like I'm my belief systems or my love for them is almost setting them up not to be happy because everyone else is just going with this worldly flow and, you know, kumbaya, whatever. And I'm telling my kids, you know, giving them kind of a different standard. And I'm like, what, what do they have to look for in the future because of the way things are? But it's, it's right. And right is right. And truth is truth. Not doesn't matter how you feel. Truth is truth. Mm -hmm. So that's what we try and do. I've been working on the outline for a future podcast. It's basically uh, preparing like a green beret is 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 um that that's the main main point. And it's not like, you know, learning how to to eat snakes in the woods or anything mm-hmm. like that. It it's really um setting up your levels of security and your your levels of protection and and meaning you need to build a community you mm-hmm. need to find those, those people so so the idea that that you're going to be this this rambo by yourself if things get bad uh there's no way you can do everything and you're not going to be able to 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 survive what's realistic is is finding those people and and, and uh cultivating those relationships whether it's family or friends or whatever so then when there is an emergency something real world like mm-hmm. there's a, a a group group of our students and we were all at the range. It was a fun day. And the one student, he had some, some major um, car problems happened there at the range. So the group, the, the, the collective, the, uh, the, uh, the community, the community mm-hmm. um, recognized it. They uh, had tools collectively. They started pulling apart, recognized the problem, went down to the local hardware, not hardware, down to the local um, auto zone or whatever. Mm-hmm. They bought the part, put in, and... and installed it got his vehicle up and running so that that's a real world problem that that individual could not have solved by himself he would have had had his vehicle towed but because he had a community because he was preparing like green beret and and had all these things they were able to come together solve the problem and and mutually support each other and that's realistic and that's Mm -hmm. that's you know to your point of you know when you're complimenting our kids being role models for your kids that's because we have harbored this community around you know shared values yep and yeah it's anyways not there's a lot more that's going to be to that that podcast but that's kind of one of one of those main things is, is right now one of the greatest things that come out of last year is is it woke a lot of people up and how mm-hmm. fragile our society really is and now we're blessed right now we have this week long month long two months five months who knows but we have this grace period right now where uh we can strengthen those communities we can be a little bit more prepared um 
all those things that you've been talking about that that your has been uh, your your life, um, acquiring skills and, and being more self reliant. Right now we we're blessed. We have just a little bit more time to to do that. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe that time will be a year, two years, five years, twenty years mm-hmm. um, that we can That's continue. That's why we train our children up I- exactly so they can be prepared. But that could all again society could all start to crash. You know. I mean, we see what's going on right now in South Africa and what's going on right now in Cuba. Again, it, it's very fragile. I concur. I, I, your, your points are, are, are well taken. Just thinking uh, that one time we were working with another uh, organization. They needed information. And it was just so cute because they were expecting, you know, again, with, with training, especially with this kind of training, always trying to get, you know, give them the unexpected. So they were thinking of, of an adult an adult was going to pass them information, and uh, all of a sudden, this—how old was she at the time? She's preteen, early teen, yeah. teen girl. Walked up, said what she needed to say, completely surprised them, like what, and then passed off the you know, other. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I was really proud of her because I didn't give her any other instructions other than what just the necessary things she needed to do, and she took it upon herself. Okay, after she walked away to change, she had a hoodie and she had she had a hat on. She did. She She had a hat. And without me saying anything, she changed her clothes. She she tied her (laughs) hoodie around like she like. Yeah, Uh she just took it. I mean, I I don't know if that's from something she learned from you, from me, from. It might have been been from her. For her cousins. cousins, Right. So but I was very proud of her. It was unexpected, but. It was a good experience. And, you know, and again, now here, here's the, the LTAC part. That's just one of the things that, you know, that we do. Yeah, we love to shoot. We do a lot of training with shooting, mm-hmm. but we do so much more. And mm-hmm. we are so much more uh, well-rounded and do all kinds of different training. So that, that's cool. Yes. Well, uh, anything else you'd like to say before we start wrapping up? Well, before we officially wrap up, you know that we can't let you leave without hearing some good Jared stories. <laughs> I know, I know you've got something that you can tell us. I have a couple. I have a couple. And keep in mind, Jared was always fidgeting. He was a fidgeter. He, he was always thinking and fidgeting with things. So he, he liked especially to use knives. He was always swinging knives around. He had a sword. So there's lots of interesting stories, but I will, I'll, I think, I don't remember how old you were when, um, we went for a walk. We were very blessed to live in the time when we pretty much still had freedom as kids before kids lost all that. So I remember we went for a walk, um, to this covered bridge near our house and like Jared always did, he had some form of a knife. It was an exacto knife in his hand. And he decided... Because that's what you take on a walk with you? He always did. He always had, at the time, he, because I think he was too young to buy guns at that time, I think, maybe. So oh, he had knives. Oh, I was... That must have been like fifth or sixth grade for me. So you I, had I, rif- I, you had I, rifles, right? No, 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 no. Yeah, you did. At fifth, in the fifth grade? You had at least BB gun. Oh, I had a BB gun, yeah. yeah. I had that since <laughs> I was five. No, I didn't get a... First rifle I got was when I was 12 for my 12th birthday. 12, okay. I, got I, a bolt I knew action you were 22. young. I knew yeah. you were young. No, no, no. This was, was before that. I know what you're talking about now with that exacto knife. Yeah, you, you decided to... to well, you it wasn't whittling. I don't know what it was, but... Well, yeah, it was whittling, but holding a <laughs> stick, and instead of carving away, I guess I was carving towards my hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we had to... He, he was bleeding pretty good, and we stopped at a neighbor's, <laughs> the closest house, and she just... Bless her heart. She opened the door, and oh! <laughs> and she grabbed a towel and wrapped your hand in it, and she ended up driving us home. Yep. And you had to get, get stitches. Yeah, I'm looking at the scars now. Seven stitches. This is probably why I became a medic. Yeah. <laughs> All my experience with you... <laughs> I will. Can I share one more? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shoot. You can share whatever you like. There's quite a few. Uh-huh. But this, this next one, it's short, but it's, it's quite entertaining. So he had a, was it a samurai sword? If I had a samurai sword, I, I did for a while. It, it was a super cheap. Oh yeah. It was like, cheap. Stainless like steel. Yeah. Like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt it. It was cheap, but it still hurt. <laughs> 
That's why it hurt because it yeah. wasn't sharp enough. So he, would, I remember he would swing this thing around, and I can't, I don't remember the exact scenario, and I don't even know if I can necessarily put all the blame on him, <laughs> but somehow he ended up swinging and turning around and sticking the tip of it right in my gut. So like I have a scar, I mean like right where your stomach would be, right below your your breastbone there. So yeah, I have a like a one inch scar there where he stuck me with a sword. I have no recollection. Of that. I never went to the doctor either, but that's okay. <laughs> I healed. Maybe no. that's why I'm so adamant with my kids, since they're a little. Uh, you know, this is how you carry a knife. This is how you carve away from me. These are all these yeah. safety rules. Because mom or dad never, you know, no, they never no. taught me that. No. I had to learn the hard way. Oh, don't pull the knife this way or you'll get cut. Yeah. yeah. I have a couple scars from him, but I live and it's all good. <laughs> uh, good good stuff. memories. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So remember uh, our other sister getting all mad Be at me. Be nice now. No, uh, go ahead. <laughs> Claiming that I purposely shot with a BB gun. It was just ricocheting off a, off oh. a tree. But oh, the drama. Yeah. The drama. We Anyways. had different responses to you, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Different responses. Darn right. Cool. Anything else you'd like to say or share with us? Um, no, just thank you for everything you guys do. Um, thank you for having me here, I guess. It's been fun. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciate it. Um, one thing that we really try to, to strive for with, with this is trying to get a lot of different voices. And as most of you listeners know, because of the experience we had with Abby being the only one home, um, when the threats came and during that home invasion um, and I wasn't there, we are really motivated in trying to empower women. We want mm-hmm. women to feel comfortable. We want them to be armed. We want them to get training. We want them to be empowered because firearms, that, that is the great equalizer. Yeah. Um, great equalizer. So I really appreciate you coming in and just mm-hmm. sharing a little bit about yourself. Can I speak to that real quick? Yeah, please. Too? I just want to say if you are listening to this and you are a woman and maybe you're a spouse, maybe you're a girlfriend, maybe you're listening to this on your own. If what's holding you back from getting training is feeling insecure, feeling like maybe you don't meet a stand, like, I don't know. Sometimes I think people set these standards in their mind that they think, well, I can't do this until I meet this. I think you need to try, come to these classes. You're not going to find better instructors, better environment where they will meet you exactly where you're at and help you get better. You don't, it's, there's no pride. There's, you, you're good to go. I think it's probably the best, one of the best environments to be in to get training. That's my two cents. (laughs) Thank you. And with that, uh, thank you for listening and uh, we'll, you guys stay safe. We'll talk to you next time. She keeps her cubs close to her and stands her ground. Their mother's courage has won the cubs a meal.